All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 11 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Please play responsibly. Ontario only. Must be 19 years of age or older. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we got Michael Beebs Bondi and Dylan D. Bertheum. Beebs, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. Colorado's still undefeated for another week. So um, until that ends, I'm going to be on cloud nine. Six and oh. It's a good season, boys. I'm also doing quite well in fantasy. So feeling very, very happy. Bound for a downfall, but here we are. Um, D, how you doing over there, though? The mustache is looking good from one mu- nice mustache guy to another. Appreciate it, big guy. Uh, I'm good. Just recovering from yesterday's 16-game <laughs> staggered slate. Uh, I think the NHL took the whole stagger your start times a little too literally yesterday. I don't think there's any need for 15-minute intervals from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., but I'm probably a little bit biased in, uh, in that regard. But we're recovering. We made it through. Um, and I don't, I don't even want to know when the next frozen frenzy is. I'm assuming it's probably next month at some point, Brock (laughs) on a, on a Tuesday again. No. Um, it also didn't help you that, uh, what was it? Anaheim and Columbus decided to just push their game back two hours right into the middle of it all. Um, Yeah. And Columbus for that. And ESPN pushed back the start of the Vegas game, which was the latest game on the slate. So it, uh, 
That one didn't start till like 11.20 Eastern time, I think, like 8.20 local time. The Detroit game was an 8.20 start local time. Lalonde was giving them a hard time about that. So, Lalonde yeah, I, I just think pissed. they went a little bit too far. You could have just, you know, three or four games at 7, three or four more at 7.30, 8 o'clock, and so on, and you'll still have plenty of action all night long. So, uh, yeah. And maybe a not a Tuesday. Overboard. Yeah, but that's, that's a whole other discussion. But, yeah, no, we know. survived. Look at us now, and, uh, and, and we're on to a podcast Wednesday. Yeah, like – that's not what we were asking for like i mean we were just we were just like if you have eight games on one night (laughs) let's not make seven of them start at seven like they're like look at how well we staggered it's like no no no. like you can have two at seven two at seven thirty two at eight like that's fine be normal not like hey let's put eight thirty local puck drops in like every city in america it might have worked a bit better too if they were kind of like the other sports where they're like where it's uh like like first pitch in baseball for example if it's at 107 it's at 107 if they were like puck drop at 715 at 730 but we know the nhl some teams were kind of pushing it back yada 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 stuff happens and like d said even that vegas game got pushed so here we are yeah we made it it was a it was a (laughs) heck of a day uh i mean 16 game slate is really no different for us than a 15 or 14 game slate at this point but uh all right Let's jump right in. Uh, again, if, if you haven't been listening, I've been releasing uh, morning reports. They will be coming out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Quick 15 to 20-minute episodes recapping uh, whatever, right? Like, I mean, yesterday uh, or this morning, I guess, I recapped the 16-game the uh, frenzy. On Monday, I recapped a, a busy weekend. And then Friday, I will I will kind of preview the weekend and recap all the action on Thursday just to kind of keep the podcast flowing, lots of news updates, obviously talking about waivers every single day as well. So if you haven't checked out the morning report, be sure to lock in. They're quick. They come out early. You can listen to them on your drive home or drive to work and and, and get it over with in 15 minutes and get your kind of fantasy fill for the day. Uh, yeah, so it's then, perfect too with big Thursday slates because sometimes stuff happens and then by the time we get back to Wednesday, you kind of, you, you know, other stuff happens across the weekend. So it's it's a great filler for in between there. Yeah, I mean, like we were really releasing only one episode a week every, you know, Wednesday or Thursday for the last few years. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in between there that we kind of miss and don't get to chat about. Uh, So this is the way I I figured I I could fill the void. And and hopefully you guys are enjoying it so far. Uh, It's also released on YouTube as well. So be sure to check it out. Uh, But on today's show, we are going to take a look back quickly at our breakouts from the preseason. Just check in with them, see how they're doing, see if the roles that we had laid out or expected for them are being fulfilled talk about how they've started maybe where we were right where we were wrong obviously it's pretty early still but just i guess gauge how you know obviously we had high hopes for these players in the preseason where are we now so let's start with the center position uh beebs we'll start with you with pavel zaka as your center breakout um this one for me fellas i was getting very worried until this past weekend kind of went by here but pavel zaka currently up to 37 percent in yahoo leagues through six games he has a goal an assist two points a plus two and only 11 shots on that that's where i'm kind of let down by our boy pavel really really wanted him to take a step forward get a few more shots this year but one positive sign playing 18 26 time on ice still on power play one still on line one so i think Zaka right now, he's kind of in that range where in the 10 to 12 team leagues, people are playing him as nightly starts, maybe just a pickup here and there. I think that's perfect for him um, with him on that line. You know, it's a uh, it, 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 things can get better. So uh, we saw a little bit of, of, of progress this weekend around 37 percent, though, is perfect for Zaka, in my opinion. Um, keep playing him here and there if you want to. But uh, but yeah, he's a line one and a power play one center. So not likely to lose a spot to I can't pronounce his name, but 
Poitras. Um, that, that, there you go. Um, or Charlie Coyle. Um, so I just see him continuing to lock down that role just with his defensive play. Um, so that should help him for fantasy. Looking for a 55 to 60 point season from Zaka here. Um, and then I'll just need a little bit more shooting from him. But the ice time is very encouraging. Yeah. He a uh, bit of a slow start. I think the one thing to keep an eye on is if Poitras uh, or Poitra, however you pronounce it, um, continues to kind of move up the lineup yesterday. He did see some time on that top line with Marshawn and Pasternak. Uh, whether or not that's something that's going to continue remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, Poitra has been pretty good. Um, definitely probably not pronouncing his, his name correctly, but uh, D will move it over to you and your breakout uh, center. Yeah, Dylan Cousins. I mean, right now it's probably going better than we ever could have hoped for with him actually moving to the wing and playing up with Tage Thompson on the top line. Um, it's interesting. I thought if that would happen, if they were going to play together at 5v5, it'd be the opposite with Tage having experience playing on the wing in the past in his career. Uh, but yeah, we'll take it either way. He's currently, like I said, playing on Thompson's right wing on the top line. Uh, he's got six points in seven games this season, 18 shots on goal. So uh, it all looks good. And yeah, the opportunities really skyrocketed the last few games and the ice time going up as well. Dip back below to 14 minutes last game due to all the penalty minutes he racked up. But otherwise, uh, he was pushing 17 minutes a night, 20 minutes a night, played alongside Tate Thompson. So hopefully we see that ice time continue to grow. Um, still getting the power play usage. We saw how productive he was just from getting that power play rolling and um, being stuck on the second line last year. So now playing with Tate Thompson at 5v5. Uh, again, still just uh, 22 years old. So major, major breakout potential for Dylan Cousins, and he's getting the opportunity to make it happen. So uh, if he's still out there uh, or if you're still, uh, you know, we're a little bit slow to grab him in draft season, uh, I think, you know, you could still make a run for him right now in the trade market before things really take off because within a few games, if they stick together, um, I, I do think his production is just going to take off. So, uh, yeah, love the start we're seeing from Dylan Cousins. And like I said, you couldn't have dreamt for a better situation. Yeah, I think the one thing that's really interesting about the Sabres is obviously the fact that, you know, Alex Tuck got off to a bit of a slow start. Jeff Skinner's been solid, but it's allowed Dylan Cousins to play a new role as they break up that Skinner-Thompson-Tuck line. And I've got uh, Cousins in our Dynasty League in six points through seven games. The shot volume has been good, too. Very uh, excited about that. Now, I'm a little bit disappointed in my breakout center, and it's not for what he's done so far, but I was actually going to go with dylan larkin as my breakout center i went back and actually found uh the text message exchange between us saying like i, I think receipts. i'm gonna go dylan larkin but it was he was being drafted super early and we basically said a breakout from dylan larkin is like saying he's gonna have 100 points which seemed a little bit too far-fetched to have him as a breakout in the preseason but now that he's on pace for like 200 plus points it seems very much in reach uh he's looked absolutely fantastic and playing very, very well with Alex Brinkett. I think the other reason I didn't really go with Dylan Larkin is I didn't want to be called a homer as I sit here and record this episode in the Detroit Red Wings sweater. So uh, I have the receipts. I should have stuck with the guns and just went with Dylan, but uh, unfortunately I did not. But I went with Tommy Novak, who um, honestly, he's in the exact same situation he was like stuck in last year, which is a little bit unfortunate. I expected him to play more minutes, uh, but he's only playing 14 and a half minutes. He did play 16 and a half the other night. He's played 18 against Edmonton a couple games ago. So he goes kind of through spurts and then he goes other games where he's only playing like 12 minutes. So it's, he's going to be a bit of a frustrating own until he really starts to carve out a larger role. But the good news is he does have four goals in seven games. So the breakout is well on its way as he's on pace for 47 goals. Uh, I don't think he's going to maintain the 30% shooting percentage, but it just goes to show just how talented he is. And if he does uh, increase that role, he's a guy that, that could break out. So 
Uh, you know, obviously would have liked the Dylan Larkin pick a little bit better, but I'm okay sitting here with Tommy Novak through, you know, seven games, just hoping that uh, he's done enough for that role to increase. Let's go back to you, Beebs, here with your left-wing breakout, Evan Rodriguez of the Florida Panthers. Oh, I appreciate this one because I'm feeling a lot better about this one than Zaka. Obviously, still think Zaka's a, a solid choice, but Evan Rodriguez has really taken that step that I expected forward. He has two goals, six assists, eight points in his first six games played. He's plus six, and the biggest thing here for our boy Erod, 21 shots on goal in those six games. That's beautiful. That's the type of stuff that makes me pop out of my seat when I'm looking at at that at, at fantasy trends and that puts him on pace for 287 shots on goal across the full season i would usually say hey maybe it's just a little bit of an early early jump but no this is exactly kind of what i called for him if he can stick to this barkov basically to the hip of him um we're currently seeing rodriguez actually improve his stock by moving up to power play one you love to see it currently on daily faceoff right now he is um just working the back end on the power play and that's probably going to add to even more shots um, him being on one of the better power plays on one of the higher scoring teams is only going to help him hopefully achieve his career high in points, which he is well on his way for. Uh, another absolutely beautiful thing happening for him is he is averaging 18.43 a night. He played a lot of ice last year, but if he finishes 18.43 a night, that'll be almost close to a minute above his career high, and that leads to great stats. And when you're on, when you're on a team that shoots this much without guys like Aaron Ekblad or... Uh, Brandon Montour playing things could kind of scarily maybe not get better but if he can keep up this pace and be a 70 point guy you are absolutely laughing so I love to see that the fantasy community is jumping on the Erod train let's choo-choo together um, kind of awesome so yeah thank you for making me feel better about myself Erod yeah Rodriguez is off to a really really nice start uh, I think the one thing that still kind of remains uh, his bugaboo is the fact that he he doesn't seem to convert on a lot of his chances but so far this year 9.5% career 7.8% shooter. So really asking him to shoot 9.5% isn't that crazy. Um, so if he can maintain that, it, it could it could be big things. Before we go to UD, I'll just talk about my breakout left winger because it's Matt Boldy. Uh, it's really tough to break out when you're injured, but got off to a nice start with two points in his first two games. Uh, also had six shots on goal. So yeah, uh, Matt Boldy, my breakout sent or right uh, left winger, excuse me, but uh, we're obviously gonna have to wait on that one a little bit longer. So uh, can we call D- him like a buy low now that he's hurt? Maybe if you have an extra IR slot, definitely someone you could target if someone's willing to like, like if someone's panicking, they're zero and two. Yeah, yeah, he was I, dropped in uh, my A team league as well. So yeah, people are moving that's on from him in shallower leagues, and yeah, I, I, I mean, sorry to cut you off, Rock, but I, I everything that we liked about him in the preseason is, is still valid. He, he said he looked awesome in those first two games and uh, was playing a ton as well. So. Yeah. And like, I think the one thing is like, as soon as he's back healthy, you know, he's obviously playing a prominent role. You kind of see what they're doing now. It's very makeshift trying to just patch that hole that he's left with like a Pat Maroon and Marcus Johansson. And it's just obviously not a sustainable uh, method for them. So they need Boldy back. He's obviously going to be on that top power play unit playing huge minutes at 5v5. So yeah, if you can buy lower or if he gets dropped, absolutely scoop him up and stash him because he. Uh, I'm expecting the breakout to continue once he is back healthy. Over to you, D, who you had Jake DeBrusque as your breakout left winger. Uh, yeah, I still feel good about DeBrusque. I mean, obviously, he struggled out of the gates there and then, uh, you know, led to, well, didn't lead to, but uh, kind of peaked with that uh, healthy scratch last Saturday after he was late to a team meeting. But um, otherwise, like the underlying numbers have looked solid. Uh, you know, he's not playing with Pasternak or Marshan, but we knew that was going to be the case. We weren't expecting that. 
would have been a bonus if it happens or if it does happen throughout the year. But really, we just knew that there was more minutes to go around in that top six. And he is getting more ice. He's playing 17 minutes, 42 seconds a night. Would be uh, almost a minute more than he's ever played in a full season. Uh, the puck's just not going in for him yet. The shot volume's still looking pretty good. 13 shots in those five games. Uh, he's got assists in his last two. Before that, he was pointless through his first three games. So, um, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from an underlying perspective from Nebraska. Um, it's just a matter of if you can really lock down that spot on the top power play because they've kind of been a little bit inconsistent with that. Could be maybe uh, related to some of the disciplinary issues he was having as well. Uh, but right now it is JVR on that top unit uh, with Zaka as well. So I think Zaka is the one that he's more likely to supplant. Um, but JVR, obviously, you know, you bring him in to kind of play the net front on the power play. So uh, Zaka will be the one that kind of I'll be having an eye on. I think DeBrus could easily uh, supplant him on that top power play before too long. But either way, uh, they're still owning the puck at 5v5. He's getting a ton of shots off. He's playing a lot of minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I still like DeBrusque a lot moving forward and certainly not moving on from him at this point. Yeah, the one real positive, I think, with DeBrusque is is just the shot attempts, right? It's 26 shot attempts through five games, uh, well above what he had a year ago. Uh, the issue is he's missed the net with 50% of his shots. Obviously, that's not something that he's done throughout his career. He hits that net a lot more frequently than that. So I do think that the better days are ahead. He's definitely firing the biscuit quite a bit. All right, let's move on to the breakout right wingers. I'm going to start here because, once again, injured. Uh, we haven't seen Andrei Svechnikov play. We kind of knew this was a possibility coming into the season, coming off a major uh, injury. And just the fact that you know he was probably going to miss a handful of games to start the year, which is exactly what's happening. It looks like he is very, very close to playing. I don't think it's going to be Thursday. It could be, uh, but it, he, he's going to, you know, his debut, season debut is on the horizon. So, I, you know, full-fledged Svechnikov breakout is definitely uh, going to happen. You just need to see him on the ice. So can't really add too much about Andre Svechnikov's breakout because it hasn't really got underway yet. Uh, so, Beebs, we'll go to you with Cole Caulfield. I don't know, Brock. People are starting to ask, did he cop out by picking injured? I'm totally kidding. Um, but no, Svechnikov, as you mentioned, should be back next game. So that's, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about his breakout next month. But um, I have a, another really nice one here. This one was almost too obvious when I picked it prior to the episode. But Cole Caulfield, currently 84% owned out in Montreal. He has three goals, three assists for six points in six games, along with 19 shots on goal, three power play points, and is averaging 18.35. If I'm popping off about Evan Rodriguez's 18.43, I'm going to do the same about Cole Caulfield's 18.35. For him, it's just all about health. You know, we, we, we kind of mentioned it. I, I believe I mentioned it on the on the opening show. He's never played more than 67 games, but he's always had those those the underlying numbers that could make it happen. Last year, we saw an injury after 46 games and he had 26 on the on the board already. So clearly a elite goal scorer. And he started to put it together early on with the assists, which is what you like to see. Um, that is one area that people thought he could absolutely hurt their teams. And I, I, I love this pick for me because it solidified it by someone offered me Johnny Goudreau for Caulfield straight up in a keeper league today. Had to think about it. And I'm going to hang on a Caulfield at the moment, which is insane, I think. But uh, I, I just love that upside. Um, and uh, and for me, it's, you know, Montreal's not a great team, but no one else is going to score goals. So, yeah, if Caulfield can stay healthy, I think you know what you got. But um if you did want to trade him for Johnny Goudreau, I would not fault you at all. But either way, it's nice to know that someone you had as a breakout can be traded for a one-time 100-point score. So feeling good about uh, Cole Caulfield there. Um, I really hope he can stay healthy, boys. The one thing with Caulfield, too, like the shot volume is just insane right now. Mm -hmm. uh, getting over seven shots towards the net per game right now. 43 shot attempts in just six games. He's on Ooh. pace for like 570 shot attempts if he stays healthy for 82 games, which that's the big concern. 
Uh, missing the net a ton, kind of like Jake DeBrusque. He's only hitting the net with 44% of his attempts right now. Uh, hitting the net with 55% of his attempts throughout his career. So you'd expect that number uh, to improve a little bit, similar to Jake DeBrusque. Yeah. Um, the main issue for me with Caulfield coming in was obviously the injury concern and the fact that the Canadians' power play has just been, you know, pretty brutal for the last few years. But if that improves, which so far they're at 16.7 percent, if they can continue to be kind of even just middle of the pack on the power play, and Caulfield can, can add a few more power play there. goals. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. Good, like, but yeah, that's got having Caulfield in, on the power play certainly helps. But yeah, if they can kind of, you know, he he has played 67 and 46 games the last two years, and like he's been completely absent. But yeah, obviously having him there helps. And if they can get that power play to like league average, then Caulfield can unlock a little bit more. He only has 12 or 13 power play goals to his name uh, throughout his career. So definitely One something that they need uh, to improve on. So uh, D, let's go back to you here with your breakout right wing, who was Dawson Mercer. Uh, yeah, Mercer is one that I'm fine moving on from at this point. I did highlight a lot of the risks uh, around him going into the season with just how loaded that top six is. Talked about how much more I liked Brad Antifoli, but the draft price for Mercer just made a whole lot of sense to take the swing on. Uh, unfortunately, he's gotten off to a really rough start and it's just plummeted down the lineup as a result. Um, he has just four shots through five games, doesn't have a shot on goal in each of his last three contests getting absolutely caved in at 5v5, regardless of who he's playing with. The sample size, Eric Hall on the third line right now, uh, looks absolutely dreadful. So, yeah, I think there's still room for um, some redemption here this season. You know, given the fact that he's still just 21 years old, there's obviously still a lot of potential here. Had 27 goals in 82 games last year. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of upside, but uh, the underlying numbers are really concerning. And just the fact that he's been... Um, blocked out of that top six right now. Andre Pallad is probably his, you know, most likely route to getting into that top six alongside he and Brat, but Mercer's going to have to start playing better if he's going to earn those opportunities. Pallad not doing a whole lot from a production standpoint, but obviously uh, that line's still been clicking or they just dropped uh, Brat down to Heesher anyway, but they love playing Pallad with uh, Pallad with Heesher. So it's going to take, like I said, some, uh, uh, some uh, real jump in uh, Mercer's individual performance to make that happen. Uh, and it's going to be tough to do that in the, in the bottom six. So I uh, really not, um, like I said, holding on to him in, in standardized leagues. I'm happy to move on at this point just because the underlying numbers have been so poor. Um, and I think there's been, you know, some other guys that have really made some noise and uh, that Brock highlighted on the morning report this morning that make a whole lot of sense and are going to offer you a lot more right now in, in redraft leagues than Dawson Mercer can. So uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, the slow start combined with the fact that he's just got dropped absolutely down to the bottom of that lineup. Um, not seeing a whole lot of power play time either. There's just not a whole lot going right for Mercer right now. So keeper dynasty leagues, obviously a, a totally different story for a talented young player with uh, a lot of upside moving forward. But this year, um, barring some injuries, it just seems like it's going to be hard for him to carve out a role uh, to where he's really going to be able to be as productive as he was a season ago or break out past that like we were hoping for. Your breakout defenseman D is off to an outstanding start. So why don't we just stick with you and Evan Bouchard? Uh, yeah, I mean, what else is there really to say about Bouchard? This one felt really, really obvious to me coming into the season. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was just that obvious. He's got an absolute rocket from the back end that they are feeding on the power play, uh, shooting 9.1%. I don't think that's like crazy unsustainable for him. He's a career 5.8% shooter. Um, so he can certainly threaten to, you know, get up on around 10%, like some of the more elite shooting defensemen do. Uh, and then the volume has been fantastic. 22 shots on goal in those six games. Like we said, he's quarterback in that top power play unit. So for all of Edmonton's struggles, like Bouchard has been outstanding and incredibly productive to open the season. So once you get a healthy Connor McDavid back, uh, like, you know, sky is really the limit. I, this guy, I really. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you believe it said it at the, the start of the season, has the potential to finish as the number one fantasy defenseman in all of hockey. The power play is just that good. His shot is that good, and he's shooting it at such an elite rate. Um, everything's just adding up here. And like I said, he's been doing it the last few games without McDavid. So uh, get Connor back, get this team on the right track. Um, and he could even push this even further. But two goals, six assists, eight points to the first six games. Cannot ask for anything more from Evan Bouchard right now. Yeah, it's been an outstanding start. I have so many Bouchard stocks, and you just love to see it. Speaking of Connor McDavid's injury, um, I think it's a good time to take a look at Betway and take a look at the Hart Trophy odds right now. Because without McDavid, obviously he's not out long term, but it is going to potentially open the door for some of these other guys to maybe sneak into this conversation. I think this year, maybe more than ever, especially with the start that they've had, the Oilers, um, that is, McDavid has a great heart trophy case if he comes back and just propels them back into the top uh, half of the league or, or top end of the league. And um, it's like, oh yeah, he's still great. And the Oilers, uh, he carries the Oilers. But if you take a look at the board here, McDavid's still the outright favorite at plus 140. Second is Jack Hughes at plus 500, Austin Matthews plus 600, and Nathan McKinnon plus 1,000. Those are your top four. When you're looking at the board, fellas, who is somebody that sticks out for you? I'll go first because, you know, if you want, if we're talking value here, I think somebody like Jack Eichel at plus 6,000 makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights are off to an outstanding start. They're undefeated right now. Jack Eichel's playing extremely well. If, if the Golden Knights, you know, win the President's Trophy and, and, and kind of run it back and Eichel has a huge year, I think there's potential for him at six uh, plus 6,000 to make some noise there. So he would be my super value pick on the list, but also... Uh, I'm sure one of you guys will probably mention him, but Jack Hughes really sticking out right now. He's on pace coming into tonight for like 230 points. Um, he has another point period points. is what he's yeah. on. You know. Yeah, exactly. And he's got, I think, another at least one point so far tonight. It's four, three after two. He has at he's least got three. three he's got three more points. So oh, yeah. he has 17 points on the year In already. 17 periods, yeah. Which is just bonkers. So, uh, yeah, at plus 500, I think Jack Hughes is makes a lot of sense uh, there as well. 
Biebs, did I steal your thunder there? Were you going point per period, Jack Hughes? No, I uh, I was actually going to do the same idea. I have a value pick, and then I have the I was going to mention Jack Hughes because it's it's beautiful. But my value pick, we're going we're going home, boys. We are going with Miko Rantanen. Currently has five goals, seven assists for twelve points uh, in six games played, and, and I'm kind of going with him here because this guy's coming off a 55-50 season. There is no reason why he can't do that again. If he goes 55-55, and you get about 110 out of him, that could that could take it, especially with Connor missing a couple of games. Um, I, I, Colorado looks really really good, and I think he's he's a key part. And it's kind of going under the radar right now. Um, every single night, it's like aggressive amount of scoring chances for Miko Rantanen. Um, so I, uh, I I had to had to call that one out and I believe he is plus 2900 back there. So you could uh, you can make a little bit of value off that one, especially for a guy who's basically at a goal and assist per game pace at the moment. So, yeah. And then uh, obviously I love the Jack Hughes play. Um, you said it um, and, and I said it, but 17 points in 17 periods. I threw a bit down on him before the season just to support our boy D over there. Um, so yeah, D go crazy. What do you, what do you got as your, uh, what's, what's sticking out to you? Uh, well, I mean, I feel like the 40 to one I got on Jack Hughes last year, looking pretty good right about now. Yeah, and I wish you could carry it over. I think, yeah, if a McDavid injury could have happened a year, year earlier, I might've been into some serious coin, but, um, no, I, yeah, obviously I love Jack Hughes. Um, I don't know how fantastic those odds are at this point. Uh, you know, considering that Connor McDavid is still in the league, you still have Leon Dreisaitl, Austin yeah. Matthews still scoring a ton of goals. Um, but it makes sense. Like, there's a lot of hype around him at this point. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, I can't believe the value on two guys that would probably finish in the top five MVP if we stopped right now, save that, you know, there's another uh, pandemic or something. we got to shut down the league tomorrow. Seven-game uh, season. <laughs> uh, Mo Brock's boys, Alex DeBrincat, 150-1, to one, and Dylan Larkin, 250-1. to one. Like, if those guys, like if the wings make the playoffs, McDavid picks up another injury or two down the stretch. Um, like that's going to be a real narrative is the two of them just kind of dragging them into the playoffs. And yeah, Taylor Larkin's two yes. points a game right now to bring cat over a goal a game. Uh, so yeah, it's obviously, you know, they're going to cool down to bring cats, not going to shoot 39% over the full year, but he has shot over 20% in a full season before. So, uh, it's not crazy to think that, you know, he could end up somewhere around 50 goals with the start that he's had. Uh, and same with Larkin. I think at this point, if he stays healthy, he's, you know, going to easily threaten hundred points. Um, and yeah, with McDavid being out, you know, maybe Hughes slows down or Hughes has to sit a few games like we've seen in the past with him. Um, maybe he gets banged up a little bit. Like it doesn't seem that far fetched to me that, uh, the wings just stay pretty solid, at least from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, Larkin and the Brinkett stay healthy and put up just some crazy, crazy offensive years and, and drag the wings into the playoffs so they could get a lot of um, consideration as we get closer to the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, like I said, the fact that they both finished top five, if the season ended today and you're getting them at 150 and 250 to one, uh, I think is uh, something to, to take note of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I didn't want to go with the Homer pick there. So I appreciate you giving them a shout out because, yeah, like, it, you know, it, I picked the Red Wings to make the playoffs this year. I expected them to be much better. They look great so far. And yeah, if they get drag them in, I guess the only issue would be they would be fighting for each other and maybe steal votes from each other, which would make things a little bit more difficult. But uh, absolutely love the picks. Tremendous value. Tell that to that Connor would, and Leon. Yeah, exactly. That was your Betway bets of the day. Let's keep moving on here with uh, breakout defenseman D, or sorry, Biebs. You, you went with your boy, Bowen Byram, speaking of Homer pick. What do you think so yeah. far? I thought we were going back to just for another another bounce back to how good Evan Bouchard was. And I was like, I approve fully of this activity, fellas. Um, but I also uh, I, I kind of also wanted you to stay away from me because I had Bowen Byram. Um, 
Bowen Byram necessarily hasn't let us down this year, but his just time on ice is not where I wanted it to be. One goal, one assist through six games from Bo- for Bowen Byram. Um, coming into the year, you know, I kind of wanted him near 22 minutes if he was going to really take that breakout. And we've seen some ugly kind of stats fall out of that limited ice time because of that he only has six shots on goal this year that's good for one a game um i need a lot more than 82 shots on net all year uh from bowen byram to get any type of fantasy value out of him he's averaging 1803 time on ice and uh but yeah it's uh he's still playing well it's just there's so many mouths to feed in colorado and uh and if i mean there's six and oh with him playing 18 minutes a night i don't think they're going to change anything anytime soon one thing that does work well in his favor is that you can kind of if you do have a deeper league with maybe four defensive slots or a 12 team league with three you could kind of stash him because he's not going to hurt you that much in the other categories and if there is an injury anything happens he will take that step forward Obviously, you know, you, you never hope for that. But um, while he's only getting 18.03 a night, if you're in a 10 team, 3D man league, I would definitely consider potentially parting ways at this point. I just think if you can get a defenseman who's on a starting power play, um, that kind of has more value than a guy who, who potentially just m- might not see it for now. Um, so Byram, I mean, he still has the long term value. The kid's only 22 years old. He had 10 goals last year. So it, it's all there. It's just while you're playing 18 minutes a night, it's, it's not going to. We're not going to see fantasy value. So Colorado kind of taking the the approach that maybe they want to get 82 games out of him, which is probably smart um, after he's only played 41. So, yeah, it's uh, I'd hold on to him if I was in your league. But I think the one thing that we didn't really see coming and it's probably been a real factor here is the Taves extension. Right. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. just kind of seeming like maybe this is the year that they start to phase Taves out of that number two role and, and start leaning more on Byram. And then all of a sudden, you know, they lock him up at a pretty team friendly hit for the next what is it six or seven years so yeah now that yeah now that Taves isn't going anywhere like it's hard to imagine Byron moving up as you know past the number three spot anytime soon without an injury so that that was a bonus for sure because I was on board with you it kind of made sense with Taves coming up near the end of his contract that they would look to just shift more responsibility to Byron and obviously uh that uh that didn't go over the way we were. Yeah, I was so torn on that deal because it was like, it was a phenomenal deal as far as like being a fan of the team. But as far as, you know, I have my sleeper, I have all these fantasy stocks in Byram. It's like, oh. but at the same time, you know, um, it, it, it creates a good team. And, and, and maybe we'll be talking about Byram again later in the season. But like you said, that taste extension was a huge factor. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, McCarr's missed a lot of time too, right? So yep, one McCarr injury from kind of getting really excited about both Taves and Byram. So. I'm pretty excited about my breakout defenseman, Noah Dobson. He's had a nice start. One goal, four assists, five points in five games. Point per game, Noah Dobson. He's also gone from 20 minutes and 23 seconds time on ice last year to 24 minutes and six seconds this year. At the same time, I think that this is probably a pretty good sell-high spot here for Noah Dobson. Maybe wait a little bit and see if, if things continue to progress The main concern with Noah Dobson was the fact that the Islanders just aren't that offensive. You put Noah Dobson on any other team in the NHL, and he's a superstar. Uh, The Islanders just don't score that much. If you take a look at their numbers so far, again, small sample size, uh, just... um, you know, seven games into the season, but they they are just doing typical Islanders things towards the bottom of the league and expected goals for at 5v5. And Dobson, you know, not much has changed. He's playing four minutes more per night, but the shot volume is exactly where it was a season ago, which you would expect it to go up considerably playing four extra minutes. It's exactly in line with what we saw a season ago. And then the on-ice shooting percentage right now at 14.3%, probably not going to be an assist per game uh, type of player on this Islanders team. So uh, while it's a great start, and I do expect 
Bowen or uh, Noah Dobson to continue to have a really good year. He's still going to probably be around 13 goals like he's had each of the last two years. And the real expectation for me coming in was like, can he move into the 50 assist range and, and, and kind of get close to the elite defenseman? Um, and it's certainly possible given the start. And if the Islanders find some more offense, I do think it, it's, it's plausible, especially with the additional four minutes. But they're just not showing signs of life offensively. It, it, it's very similar to what we've seen in years past. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, a 13 goal, 50 point player like he has been uh, for the last few years. So, um, yeah, I would be looking to sell high, maybe try to buy low on another defenseman that you expect big things out of um, with Noah Dobson. Yeah, the problem is there's really not a whole lot of uh, big D-men that are underperforming, uh, really. Like you got Yossi, no goals and three assists. So maybe he's someone you look to package uh, Dobson plus, uh, you know, maybe uh, a winger tor- or forward towards the bottom of your roster for a guy like Yossi to see if you can get a bite there. Because I agree with you. I think Dobson's going to be really good, but he's probably not going to be the point per game uh, defenseman that he's been to this point in the year. Uh, and I just think the surrounding cast isn't good enough, right? That power play is not going to do enough damage. I don't think it's any knock on him. And I think if he was in a better situation, he could threaten a point per game. Um, but yeah, so I might look to maybe like a Yossi, maybe a high skin in you could try to move for straight up. Who's got four points, but yeah, there's really not any, like all of the big guys that have really performed to date, uh, or at least, you know, haven't, uh, overwhelmingly disappointed. And Yossi, like I said, probably the, the biggest example of, uh, one of those top five defensemen off to a slow start. So I don't know how much you can really upgrade that position. It might be more of looking to upgrade somewhere else on your roster. I think one other name I would throw out there is Eric Carlson has had a bit of a slow start as well. Yeah, I, was, well, I don't know if I'd rather have him than Dobson, though. Yeah, I, it's it's a tough spot. Uh, but Carlson's Thanks, definitely Carlson. been uh, at the top of that power play food chain in Pittsburgh so far, and he is playing like 26, 27 minutes a night. So you do think that he's probably got a little bit more jam on a better Penguins team than Noah Dobson. So those are a couple guys I would I'd be looking at. But let's talk about some goalies. Uh, our breakout goalies, we're also in, you know, right after our breakouts, we're going to uh, dissect some of the busier creases in the NHL. Uh, so a lot of goalie talk coming uh, forward here on the DFO Fantasy Podcast. So let's talk about our breakout goalies. Um, Biebs, we'll start with you because we haven't really seen a whole lot of Joel Hofer yet. Yeah, and uh, I kind of kind of called this on our breakout show. Just, you know, we're, we're, you're picking through limited, limited selection here, and we're going at goalies who we think are going to break out. And with this guy, it's going to be a late-season breakout if we see anything. Uh, the one, he, he is 0-1-0. and He's only played one game. He was shelled for six goals in that one game. Um, Granite faced 42 pieces of rubber, but um, at the moment he has an 857 save percentage and a 6.02 goals against. Obviously, that's nothing that's going to jump off the chart at you. I still expect Hoffer to kind of be an option as the year rolls on, as we see Jordan Bennington um, regress. One thing that I didn't expect, though, was that absolutely tank Jordan Bennington slapping me in the face. I came at him hard in the original show. I called him not very good. And here he is at a 2-1-1 record with a 1.69 goals against average and a 9.45 save percentage. Obviously, it's gonna get that's gonna regress. But the dude got married during the summer, so maybe he figured something out, and uh, now he can goalie again. Maybe like maybe to. his wife will calm him down a little bit, and he won't oh be such God. a hothead that, that, out there, and he can just focus on being a. I did love it. I don't really quick. I don't know if you guys saw, but yesterday with the, with the, all the games, they released a, a kind of a mural. Um, one of the companies did of, of every team. And the one for St. Louis was Bennington throwing a water bottle at Kadri. So I kind of like that little throwback to, to that event. Always love seeing that even with Nas on another team. So kind of hilarious, but yeah. It's so like, for Joel Hofer, 
It's like, should we talk about Jordan Cairo? No, let's just go Jordan Bennington throwing water bottles. Because that's the most obvious thing we can talk about when we talk about the St. Louis Blues. Uh, The one thing, obviously, Jordan Bennington looked outstanding. His first three starts, we saw maybe um, kind of the comeback to earth last game. Three goals on 26 or 29 shots, I think. It was not a terrible start by any stretch. But um, yeah, I I don't know if Jordan Bennington is going to return to elite form. And and I think Hofer still got a decent uh, opportunity. My issue with Hofer coming in was just the Blues aren't very good. Yeah, they um, Which was kind of my concern. Uh, B or D, let's go to you here. I can't, we guys got to change your names a little bit. They're way too similar. I can't, D and Beebs is just way too close. I keep mixing you up. But uh, Akira. It's only been nine years, dude. Don't go. Yeah, it's a little bit more runway here. Uh, But Akira (laughs) Schmid for you, D. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, like they clearly, the Devils um, want to give Schmid a chance to eat into Vanacek's workload. And, you know, Vanacek had struggled through his first uh, couple of starts of the year. So look like and does still seem like there's a real opportunity for Schmid to earn a lot more work than he got in the regular season a year ago when he started just 18 games or made 18 appearances anyway. Um, but yeah, Schmid has just flat out struggled in his first three games to start the year. He had an 892 save percentage coming into the night uh, with a 101 record. And then I think he got pulled after, what was it, three goals on eight shots tonight against the Capitals. So Correct. Um, uh, for yeah. the record, Vanacek has not really performed that much better. The Capitals just scored two goals instantaneously in the third period to make it five to four. Again, yeah. obviously this will be different tomorrow morning, but Vanacek two goals on 14 shots so far. So still he's not been outstanding either. Yeah, he is coming off his best game of the season last night in Vanacek. And, you know, maybe that's kind of playing into his performance uh, on the tail end of a back-to-back tonight. So he might get a little bit more forgiveness than Schmid having started the game so poorly. So we'll see. At, at the end of the day, like I said, they're, they're both, neither of them have really played outstanding to this point. And even before Vanacek, you know, it, it's not like he was playing absolutely dreadful and Schmid wasn't playing fantastic, but they went to Schmid in back-to-back games. So um, we saw him, you know, take starts from Vanacek in the playoffs last season. He was fantastic down the stretch in the in the regular season. And then into the postseason, he had that 921 save percentage. Still just 23 years old. So, yeah, there's a lot to love with the Kirish Mead. Um, in terms of moving on from him, like it's tough holding a goalie at the bottom of your roster in, in some redraft leagues, depending on your roster size, depending on how deep the league is, uh, if they're not going to be getting starts regularly. So, um, you know, it, it just kind of depends if you have the room to hold out to him. I think there's a lot of potential here still. And uh, the main thing is like this, that position, like the fantasy netminder for the Devils is going to be a lot of value, even if they're just, you know, giving us league average or below league average save percentage like these guys have to this point, they're going to get a lot of wins. They're going to get a ton of goal support. So um, he's worth holding on to. And that sense, if you do have the roster spot, because there is still a pretty clear path for him um, to not just, you know, earn a, a decent amount of starts. But if he can just kind of get back and into the form that he showed at the end of last season, he could potentially still uh, steal this number one job. So uh, I, I'm trying to hang on to him. But again, I understand if if you're kind of pressed for and you got needs elsewhere uh, or if you just need someone in your lineup that's starting games regularly right now. Uh, I understand moving on from him, but I, I wouldn't I'd be keeping a close eye on him because, like I said, this could uh, very easily swing back his way. Yeah, and I, I think the main issue is like if you are to move on to, uh, from him, there's not really a whole lot of like really good goalie options uh, out there that to me would feel like suitable replacements for Schmid in order to drop him. Uh, the kind of few guys that stand out that are like, you know, owned um, in like less than 60% of leagues, Joseph Wall, who I'm going to talk about here in a second, 58%. Logan Thompson, 68%. That's pretty much it. Like Jonas Johansson's looked really good, but he's kind of more of just a stopgap still. Jack Campbell's still sitting at 36%. Yeah, he's going to be just as frustrating to own as Schmid all year, though, too, mm-hmm. right? So that's tough. 
I so far have knocked it out of the park with my breakout goalie, Joseph Wall, who looks to be stealing the job in Toronto, uh, much like the New Jersey Devils crease being the starting goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs is very, very good for fantasy. He's currently uh, ranked the number eight goalie in standard Yahoo formats at the moment. He has been absolutely terrific, two and one. 144 goals against average, 958 save percentage has been unbelievable his last two starts. And Sam Sonoff has been mediocre. D, how would, you're you're the Leafs fan here. How would you classify Ilya Samsonov's performance uh, thus far? Uh, he struggled, doesn't look comfortable. Um, but that's not like <laughs> completely out of the ordinary for him. He started slow last season too. Um, so yeah, I mean, but the 831 save percentage speaks for itself, right? It, it hasn't been great. Uh, I do think like. Keith was a little bit hard on him after the Saturday night game saying, you know, he can't give up three goals on four shots when, you know, two of those goals, I don't think any goal in the league is ever going to stop. So, you know, it's, you know, I'm not the biggest Keith fan anyway, so I'll, I'll move on. But um, yeah, Samsonov hasn't played well. Wall going back to two seasons ago, anytime he's been called upon has performed for the Leafs. So um, it was just a matter of how much, you know, rope he was going to be able to earn this season. And obviously, you know, he's been absolutely fantastic. 958 save percentage through three games. Um, and, you know, really uh, essentially pitched a shutout from the point that he came in for Samsonov on uh, Saturday and gave the Leafs the, the chance and the platform to build that comeback. So, um, yeah, he's earned every bit right now. And it really does seem like already at this point, even if it is a 1A or 1B, like he, at least for the interim, is going to be the one that gets leaned on a little bit more heavily and it's just going to come down to his own performance. If he can keep um, performing at the level that he has, not just this year, but like I said, last year he had the nine thirty in seven games the year before that, just four games, but had a nine eleven save percentage um, look good in the postseason. made four appearances for the least last year, nine fifteen. certainly wasn't the reason that they fell to the Panthers after Sansonov got hurt. So um, yeah, there's uh, a whole lot to like here about Joseph wall, a whole lot to be concerned with with Samsonov. So um yeah i think uh he's really good you're in a really good spot if you did uh go after him just as brock recommended or hopefully if you didn't uh he was still available on a lot of waiver rides of the last couple of weeks so um saturday was was the big indicator right like samsonov struggled again uh and like i said he pitched that near shutout or the that what essentially was a shutout in, in relief i think he played almost 59 minutes when you factor in the overtime as well so yeah he's just been fantastic and like you said gonna be a ton of goal support all season long uh so yeah if he's still out there act fast because I, I think it's just going to keep skyrocketing over the next few days. Yeah. As you mentioned a uh, career 932 save percentage in 14 games with the Maple Leafs. So uh, not a large sample size, but certainly not minuscule either. Been very, very good. I, uh, I took him a little early in a couple of leagues and uh, I'm not regretting it thus far. Um, it's, it's hard for us as Ontario natives to always draft Maple Leafs because they do tend to go earlier. Wall seems very to have hard. a, a quite, a pretty good following as well. So I took him much earlier than I was comfortable with in almost all of my leagues because I was like hesitant that, that I wasn't going to get him in like the 15th round where he was going. So, uh, so far so good. So yeah, he was my breakout. We basically just covered the Maple Leafs crease and what's going on there, but there's also um, a whole lot going on in a few other creases. Let's start about the Carolina hurricanes first, because I mean, we, we already knew that this this situation was was a little bit messy. We talked about Kachekov being a bust because, like, he was being drafted ahead of some, like, actual goalies, and he was, like, not even going to start the season as a as an NHL goalie. Um, but then Frederick Anderson, you know, his our concerns with him were just the fact that he gets hurt all the time. It took, like, no time at all for him to get injured. Um, so, yeah, this crease has been a mess. Freddie Anderson does look like he's on track to return to the crease tomorrow, which could clear some things up if he remains healthy. But 
Uh, Kachetkov, man, has been terrible in, in, in his three performances. A 433 goals against average, an 838 save percentage. He's lost all three appearances. Uh, Antti Ranta has been an absolute nightmare as well. Uh, he's posted an 818 save percentage and a 441 goals against average. So if I guess the one thing I'm saying is if Freddie Anderson comes back and can play well, uh, he could end up being maybe leaned on a little bit more heavily than we anticipated in the preseason. That being said, it didn't take him long to get hurt, and you can't lean on him too heavily because he obviously just can't stand up to it. But uh, yeah, the, the Hurricanes have still been uh, pretty good at suppressing scoring chances. They have the fifth best uh, expected goals against per 60 at 5v5. So it hasn't really been a lack of of quality play from the Hurricanes. They've been kind of been doing their regular thing, maybe not quite as dominant as they usually have been in recent years, but I'd expect that that uh, will improve now that Sebastian Ajo is healthy. Andrei Svechnikov obviously coming back shortly. So they just need to get their goaltending going again, and uh, the Hurricanes will be headed back to the moon. Do you guys have anything to add on this situation, or do you think that that's pretty much where it is at the moment, D? Yeah, I don't have any interest really outside of Anderson at this point. It really does seem like his crease to lose. And, you know, it's it's tough because we're drawing conclusions from really small sample sizes. But it's the reality of the situation when you've got a goaltending job that might be up for grabs. We got two guys that could potentially steal some time from Anderson and neither of them have been up to the job so far. So if it's a deeper league and, you know, you really do want to stash one of them on the off chance that, uh, maybe Freddie continues to rack up some injuries or, you know, I mean, he didn't look great before he went out either. So maybe he continues to struggle and they just kind of give them all a chance to run away with the job. I think Kachekov to me, I like him more than Ranta at this point. Um, I just think they're more likely to end up phasing Ranta out given his age and his contract. Uh, and Kachekov, they've already committed to him as the goalie of the future. So I think they kind of almost have to uh, look to give him some more run in the NHL at some point this year. But like I said, I'm not really looking to roster either of them. Uh, I think it's going to be Freddie's job for the majority of the year. One thing that does kind of help cut Chekhov is the fact that Carolina straight up doesn't have an AHL team. Um, we, we, we've kind of, I'm not sure if we covered it on previous episodes, but why we kind of talked in general, but why would a team send a, someone or why would an AHL team put him in the starters crease for 70% of the games if it's not representing their own club? And so for that reason, I think that Carolina might keep him up. And I think that can help him um, for D, like you said, choosing him over Ranta because I could see them at this point too rolling like a Buffalo three goalie, especially with uh, with the health problems. And if that's the case, it could just be a revolving door until someone steals it. And uh, Ranta's looking, I mean, it's a scary age that he's at. And 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 uh, when you start regressing like that, I get I get a little worried. So I, I would take Piotr, um, but I don't really want either, like you said. But I would love some Freddie stocks right now. Yeah, Freddie Anderson back most likely tomorrow. So let's move on to the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> we talked about how they've uh, obviously been Pretty good so far this season. Uh, That being said, they've still been, you know, struggling a little bit uh, defensively so far this season. Their expected goals against um, bottom 10 in the league. So probably not a um, a crease that you want too many stocks. And um, Billy Huso hasn't looked great. Uh, three one and one, but he he hasn't been super super sharp. Three thirty eight goals against average, eight ninety three save percentage. James Reimer, on the other hand, has been absolutely electric. Uh, 2-0, 1.0 goals against average, 963 save percentage, and one shutout and two starts. Uh, he's also going to get the nod tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, he's been really good. I think the one thing that stands out right now 
more than anything in this Red Wings crease is that James Reimer can be relied upon as a spot start option. Outside of that, uh, probably a lot of a, a wait and see approach here with Billy Huso. The Red Wings are obviously a team that looks like they're going to provide you with some goal support and maybe that crease is a little bit more valuable than we thought it was going to be, but they still have to tighten some things up defensively. Huso definitely has to be better. And, um, you know, you're, I think you're going to have to be a little choosy with Huso's matchups here until you see him be a little bit more sharp in that Red Wings crease. And James Reimer, when the matchup presents itself, I think is a, an outstanding spot start option this season. Huso just scares me with, with that regression we saw last year. Obviously, the first half of last year was amazing. He was a guy who the, you wanted in your in your fantasy crease. And then by the last end, end of the year, he was getting dropped in a lot of leagues. Um, so it does scare me. But I, I like the point you made. Reimer does make a great spot start now if you can get him in the right matchup. Um, it's different not attacking Detroit because for so many years, you kind of just attacked Detroit in fantasy. Um Sorry, Brock had to had to tell you that one, um, but you knew that. And uh, and now, I mean, it's not the same old uh, Red Wings here. So um, I I think if you're a Huso owner, you might uh, might start shaking in your boots a little bit. But um, as a whole, um, you know, it's uh, it's nice that at least they can kind of get value out of either um, when you need it. But yeah, I would not want to own Huso right now. I don't love a 900 save percentage on that team. It's uh, it scares me. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Hopefully I don't have them, but if I do, yeah. I mean, I don't have just them. hang tight. But yeah. If I did. Yeah. I'd be, yeah. or I do have them in one league. Actually, it was a keeper league. Yeah. I took over okay. anyway. Um, but yeah, sit tight. And like, I, I think this is going to be a bubble team in the playoffs. They're going to be battling for a playoff spot and that's going to provide value in the goal. Like that's enough where it's going to be worth holding on to him for a full year. And if you look at uh, who's those games so far, he struggled the most against the lightning and the devil has been pretty solid otherwise. Yeah, um, so yeah, I think, you know, just being, you just got to be choosy with your starts. Like Brock said, and if you know, they're underdogs. If they're going up against a high-powered offense, you probably want to look elsewhere. He's probably going to carry a bit of a risk, but I do think he can still perform, um, and I do think he's still going to be the number one uh, starter on this team. I don't think they look at a 35-year-old James Reimer and think he's the answer. He's played, you know, well in those two games, but uh, I think if anything, it's going to be like you know, Reimer might play more than the average backup. He's been around 40 games the last two seasons for the Sharks, but yeah, I don't think they look at him as the answer. Uh, I think they know that they need to get Huso going if if they're going to have a legit number one goaltender. Another thing that kind of scares me here is we might also be looking at a three-headed monster in a way. They're talking. They want to get Alex Lyons some ice. Um, they mentioned that today with the Reimer start, or yesterday when they announced it, whenever they announced it. But they mentioned that, you know, Alex Lyon is there to, you know, get NHL time. So if he even takes five, eight games, that's five and eight games that you're not giving to Huso or that you're not giving to Reimer. So that's a little bit scary, but not something you should worry about right now. But, uh, but Brock, I don't know if you want to add anything more on your on your Red Wing net tandem you got going on over there no i think that just about covers it on the detroit red wings didn't think we'd be talking about them uh their goaltending in, in a good light okay a couple more teams to talk about here first of all the edmonton oilers jack campbell's obviously gotten more of a run um than we anticipated so far this season Stuart skinner hasn't looked particularly sharp uh in his couple of outings either 429 goals against average 814 save percentage uh in his two starts one uh relief appearance like Stuart Skinner right now is looking like one of the biggest busts um, imaginable just because like, A, he's not playing well and he's seeding so many starts to Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell has not been good either though. 435 goals against average 877 save percentage. Campbell, like last night in particular, made just some ridiculously big saves. And then just like the, the Oilers defense is just doing uh, these goaltenders absolutely no favors whatsoever. So I, I don't really know what to make of this crease because like I, I don't, particularly think that Jack Campbell is the answer right now either. Uh, Stuart Skinner, we've seen him kind of struggle 
Uh, he wasn't very good in the playoffs last year. Um, hasn't been great so far this year. I don't know really what the answer here is for the Oilers, but at the moment, like you want to trust both these guys on a high powered offense, but neither one of them is giving you reason to really trust them on a nightly basis. D you were a big Skinner guy coming in. Um, what are you thinking? And what are you doing here with Skinner? Not great. I still like Skinner more than Campbell. I, I just feel like I know Campbell's bad and like Woodcroft will, will have to come to that realization soon enough. Like they can't possibly look at Campbell's track record with the Oilers over the last two years uh, and think that he's going to be the answer and, and he should be getting as much work as he is. And, but that, you know, that's frustrating thing. I do think that Woodcroft is kind of getting on the hot seat way quicker than anybody expected. You can't underperform with two of the best, you know, three or four players in the league uh, for too long. And, you know, th their record is just, um, you know, it, it's shocking. Like <laughs> there's no other way to put it. And like, it's hard not to point fingers at the changes they made on the back end and they're the new defensive system that Woodcroft's trying to push. So, um, yeah, I think Campbell is not the answer. Hopefully Skinner gets some more run. Like realistically, he's had two bad starts and he had to come into a terrible situation to try and clean up Jack Campbell's mess in another game. So, uh, like, yeah, it's just been such a small sample size. It's the most disappointing thing to me was the fact that Jack Campbell had two or three good starts in preseason. So he got the start on opening day. Like there just wasn't the run there that I think there should have been for Skinner. He outperformed him for, you know, six months last year. Like it wasn't even close. He was so. an all-star. Yeah, and they're just clearly at different points in their career path, too. Like, maybe they just see something in Skinner that's kind of completely changed their mind on him. But from the outset, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I do think he's going to get a chance um, to really take a run at that number one job again. So I'm going to wait on Skinner just because, yeah, like once these guys start clicking, uh, there's simply too much talent there for this team not to win hockey games. So it's going to be worth having whoever is in net at some point um, for the Oilers once they get it sorted. And then they will get it sorted once Connor's back and once they're healthy. I, I do believe I'm not overly worried about the Oilers I think they're just going through a bit of a tough stretch at a pretty hard time and yeah having trouble adjusting to the new system so something's got to give there either they're going to go back to the way they approach games in their own end last season or um, you know Woodcroft could be out before too long and the very same is going to happen ideally that's what happens here and we stop seeing this loyalty to Campbell uh, although I think part of it's coming from the front office too so yeah it's a it's a frustrating situation but I think with what you invested in Skinner you have to just hold at this point um, and if someone drops him like I'm absolutely going to stash him on the back of my bench because I think he's got more potential to run away with this job and as he showed last year actually give you some above average splits at the same time so i'm hoping like i said it's been two bad starts for skinner we've seen a lot more bad from campbell not just this year but last year as well so uh, i still have some hope for skinner but yeah it's obviously been a very very disappointing start no i think too one thing that kind of that should help these guys going forward that, that, that people aren't really talking about is matthias ekholm was out for the first game of the season he's been worked slowly into this lineup and when that's one of your top defensive defensemen He's only averaging 19-13 so far this year. And this is a guy who's gone nine straight years of 20-plus minutes on the ice and 20-plus minutes of just shutting shit down. Um, he's only had a negative plus-minus once in those nine years. So um, this is a guy who currently minus five. Um, he should be improving. And when he improves, it should just help that whole system. I'm with you there. I'm totally uh, – I'm, I'm a way bigger Skinner fan. I think Campbell's just continued to, like – when we ask guys to prove it, when we ask for sample sizes, he has too big of a sample size. But, like, dude, maybe chill on the whole sample size thing because you are giving us way too much knowledge that you are, are just not a good – maybe maybe not a NHL starting goaltender. You're a great goalie, but not an NHL starting worthy one. So, yeah, if I if I had to have one of the two, I'd probably go Skinner right now. Um, but, yeah, there's a couple things in Edmonton just not quite clicking right. But this is a playoff team. We've seen it over and over the last couple of seasons. They're going to figure something out. We This can't continue. So um, I am a Skinner owner in two leagues. So I am uh, 
I got my panic pants on, but it's okay, boys, because he's going to take that starting job back. But it might just be the hot hand that goes for the next bit. And if they have that happens, you just got to kind of, yeah. Or maybe the uh, the lukewarm hand. Uh, put yeah. It in. Yeah. But, uh, but it's going to be, if they do get wins, I think we might be looking at a lot of uh, uh, above three goals against average for either of these guys. Um, but they are going to win more games than they should lose. Um, the Oilers, the like moment, defensive numbers, uh, actually don't look that terrible. So like writing yeah. the ship for both of these guys really shouldn't be that difficult. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely giving bad. up a lot of uh, high danger chances, but like the Oilers are going to be better. These goalies have to be better. Uh, and I agree. Skinner is still kind of the one that I want, uh, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on Campbell, man. Like if he just keeps yeah. getting starts, like eventually we got to just be like, okay, like they obviously trust him way more than we think. Uh, you know, they're giving him $5 million and apparently they got to make him earn that every penny of it. So, uh, but yeah, let's uh, turn our way, our focus away from the crease and turn our focus on to D for D's streamers. All right. So let's take a look at the weekend schedule, fellas. We got six games on Friday, nine on Saturday and four on Sunday, which means we're going to be looking at the teams going on Friday and Sunday in order to get as many games as possible into your lineups for those smaller slates. Uh, and thankfully, unlike last week, we do have plenty of options to comb through. We got five teams playing on Friday and Sunday. It was just the Flames last weekend. They did all right, considering they were all we had to so, uh, to sift through. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. We got five teams to go through. Uh, starting off alphabetically, of course, with the Buffalo Sabres. They are in New Jersey on Friday, at home to the Avalanche on Sunday. Uh, don't have a ton of interest in the Sabres this weekend. The matchups are about as bad as it gets. Like I said, the Devils and the Avalanche. Uh, and their scoring is just so concentrated in their top four forwards that it leaves very little value on the wire. Jordan Greenway, for example, playing with Page and Cousins on the top line, but has done little to nothing with the opportunities, averaging over 60 minutes a night, but less than one shot a game. Uh, so, yeah, even with that usage, I'm really not interested in Jordan Greenway this uh, this weekend. Really, the only widely available player that's getting consistent enough usage um, that they're actually taking advantage of is, is Casey Middlestad, 19% owned, straight center eligibility. So he's about all I'm interested in out of Buffalo this weekend, currently skating on the second power play unit and the second line with Skinner and Tuck. Uh, just seven shots on goal, but he's done a nice job creating chances for his shoot first wingers. One goal, five assists in those seven games to open the season. So uh, I do think Middlestad is a good bet to add to your assist totals this weekend, even with the bad matchups. But that's about as far as I'm looking into the Buffalo Sabres this weekend. And then moving on, we got uh, Minnesota Wild. They're in Washington on Friday in New Jersey on Sunday. Uh, similar to the Sabres, there's not a whole lot of depth to get excited about in Minnesota, but Ryan Hartman, center right wing eligible. Uh, their first line center, just 35% owned. He's skating with Kaprizov and Zuccarello at 5v5 while also getting some time on the Wild's second power play unit. Uh, also red hot, courtesy of a three-goal, two-assist game on last night's 7-4 win over the Oilers. So I think he's a great option this weekend if available. Obviously, you know, he's uh, rostered in a good amount of leagues at 35%. But yeah, if he's there, he's going to be one of the, the top targets I'm going after this weekend. Uh, and then in deeper leagues, I think Marcus Johansson at left wing eligible, 7% owed. I think he's a fine consolation prize. You can plug him in. Uh, shot volume lacking, which is always going to cap his goal scoring upside. But he's playing with Joel Erickson at 5v5. That's going to afford him a whole lot of offense's own time and as well as the top power play unit. Uh, so similar to middle stat, I think Johansson's a really good bet just to pad your assist totals this weekend. And then we got the Devils. Uh, again, we've already mentioned them twice in passing here. So obviously they were going to come up. They got the uh, Sabres at home on Friday before they host the Wild on Sunday. Again, more or less passing on the Devils, uh, just because um, similar to the Sabres, just so concentrated within that top six um, in terms of their scoring. So assuming the lineup stays the same, we're really just looking at Andre Pilat, the only wi widely available member of that top six, playing less than 15 minutes a night. 
He's got just two assists and seven shots on goal. So even he's a pass for me. Uh, then we talked about Dawson Mercer earlier in the show, 44% owned, but he's buried on the third line. And like I said, he hadn't registered a shot on goal in the last three games. So again, I, I think the devils are just a fade for me this weekend on the wire. Uh, I think, you know, if you have those big boys, obviously make sure you squeeze them in your lineup. Um, but waiver wire wise, it doesn't look like there's going to be a whole lot out there unless we see some line shuffling before Friday. And then finally, or not finally, sorry, two more teams to go here. We got San Jose in Carolina Friday in Washington Sunday. The Sharks have really struggled to find the back of the uh, net to open the campaign. They're averaging less than two goals per game. So hard to find much to get excited about here, but there is plenty of quality usage to find on the wire. It's just that usage is for one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, but Thomas Hurdle, 45%, good chance he's out there in your league. He makes for one of the top pickups of the weekend if he is. Uh, he's got five points to open the season, which is, you know, if you adjust for the team he's on, I think it's like 100 points through five games, something like that. Uh, I just, but uh, otherwise. <laughs> no, that's uh, spot on math. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm really only open to stooping as low as Anthony Duclair. He struggled to begin the season. One goal, no assists, seven shots on goal. But we've seen him produce when given the opportunity to play big minutes in the past. Uh, and, you know, his surrounding cast in San Jose, it's nowhere near the level of support he received in Florida. But he should still be stable to the hip of hurdle for 17, 18 minutes a night at 5v5 and on the power play. So I do think Duclair can help your team this weekend, particularly on Sunday for that matchup in Washington against a struggling Capitals team. Like I said, Duclair just 2% out. So I think given the minutes and the usage, he's a fine roll of the dice to take this weekend uh, in deeper leagues. And then um, speaking of those struggling Capitals, they got the Wild on Friday and then San Jose on Sunday, both home matchups for them. Uh, shouldn't surprise you to hear that Ovechkin and Carlson are the only two caps above 50% ownership so far this season. Just crazy how far they've fallen uh, and how little depth there is there. So uh, that does leave us with plenty of options, but it's for good reason, right? The depth scoring is just not there in Washington. Uh, I do think given the cushy home matchup against the Sharks on Sunday, Tom Wilson, 46% owned, uh, probably not out there in banger leagues, but probably is out there in standard leagues. Uh, Dylan Strom, center eligible, 27% owned. TJ Oshie, right wing, 12% owed. And Dylan Strom had Kuznetsov. two goals tonight as yes, well. Yes, he did. Because uh, Netsov got on the score sheet tonight too. So did Oshie. Because uh, Netsov, center eligible, 26% owned. I think all those guys are worth a roll of the dice this weekend. Like I said, especially for that game at home to the Sharks on Sunday. Uh, Wilson's rolling with Strom and Ovi at 5v5. So you love that. Getting time at the second power play unit. Strom, as Brock just said, two goals tonight. He's centering the first line as well as the top power play unit. So he is a great, great option this weekend. Uh, and then Kuznetsov rolling with Oshie at 5v5 while playing on that top power play unit with Ovi, Strom, and Carlson. So good chance he can pick you up uh, an apple or maybe a power play point uh, over this weekend. And again, especially that matchup on Sunday against the Sharks. Something's got to give there. Somebody's got to score some goals between those two teams. The goaltending just isn't good enough. So they've been incredibly unproductive this season as a whole, but it's hard to ignore uh, the caps given that kind of usage. And again, particularly on Sunday, given the matchup and the size of the slate. So overall, they I had to stack them up. Yes, sorry. Sir. I was going to say, just throw a couple things at the Capitals here. They rolled their top six extremely heavy tonight. Kuznetsov played 24 minutes and 20 seconds. Backstrom was at 1240. Uh, TJ Oshie was up over 20 minutes. Tom Wilson over 20 minutes. Uh, they really relied heavily on that top uh, six, and, and the bottom six barely played uh, at all. How many all. penalties so did the Devils take? The de um, honestly, I haven't looked at it um, exactly, but still, nonetheless, um, I mean, like even Matthew Phillips, who was in the top six, only played five minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah, only only three sure minor penalties. Three. Yeah, yeah, three. So, um, yeah, they they leaned really heavy on that top six, and and you know they needed to get that top six going. Um, I, it's worth mentioning too. I, I I bet on the Caps tonight, uh, because coming into tonight, they had the lowest shooting uh, percentage in the NHL at five v five. 
They were also second in the NHL in expected goals for on the power play and had the low, the lowest goals for on the power play, the lowest shooting percentage. It's obviously a power play with a lot of talent. So uh, they've been a little bit snake bit in the beginning of the season and obviously opened the floodgates a little bit tonight against the, uh, the Devils. And hopefully that rolls into the uh, weekend. So yeah, like, you know, yesterday you probably wouldn't be super excited about streaming the caps, but uh, maybe the floodgates are open here and some of their, their old dogs can, can rip it up this weekend. Yeah. So like I said, if I had to rank them in a vacuum, assuming they're all out there on your wire, I would go Ryan Hartman first, 35% owned. I just think that situation with Zuccarello and Kaprizov at 5v5. Uh, and the fact that, I mean, you got a Hattie the other night, so you got to love staying in the flames there with Hartman and riding the hot hand. Uh, then I would go Thomas Hurdle second. I think he's just that good if he is out there. I think he's on another level, just individual skill and performance wise. 45% owns. And uh, again, he's got that nice matchup with the Capitals on Sunday. Even if they're scoring a bit more, uh, they're still very... Um, very susceptible to giving up goals of their own. So uh, I like Hurdle a lot this weekend. If he is out there again, just 45% owned. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot of like more competitive leagues where Hurdle and like all other sharks might've just been cast to the side on your waiver wire, but uh, quietly having, you know, a, a nice start to the campaign, especially when you consider the lack of talent around him. Uh, and then I'd go with the caps after that. You got Dylan Strom, like I said, 27% owned. He'd be my top pick. Uh, and then probably Kuznetsov or Oshie just kind of depends on what you're chasing. If you really need a goal, Oshie's more likely to deliver on that front. But if you're just after some apples or some power play points, uh, then I think Kuznetsov is, is the way to go. Uh, and then if uh, for deeper leagues, you know, none of those guys are available. That's when I think I'd go with Anthony Declare. Like I said, 2%. Uh, you got to love that uh, that availability there to Declare, given the usage he's getting. Hasn't resulted in any raw production yet. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he has a, a bit of a breakout performance on Sunday. Uh, and then we'll just get into the goalies real quick. Uh, there's really only one name that I want to touch on here. There's nobody going Saturday, Sunday in terms of the team. So um, Sunday's like slate is going to be really bare. If you're looking to squeeze uh, a start into your lineup, if you're chasing goalie categories on Sunday, you're going to have to get desperate. You're probably going to have to play like a capo Kakinen for the Sharks. Um, Cause yeah, barring like yeah. a surprise start of a backup, like there's, there's no game on Sunday that we're anticipating the backup to roll in there for. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and with that, just the one situation to touch on, um, as far as I can tell in general, yeah, only three backups getting the tail end of a back-to-back -back this weekend where their team should be favored to get the win. Two of those three are Vegas and Minnesota, Mar uh, Minnesota, yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury and Logan Thompson being 67 and 68% owned respectively. So most likely it's just going to leave you with the one premium spot to keep an eye on. And that is the Carolina Hurricanes who we already talked about. Um, honestly, who knows who's going to get this Friday game. Hopefully tomorrow we find out a, a bit more. They have Seattle on Thursday uh, before hosting the Sharks on Friday. So that is a really juicy start to try and squeeze into your lineup. But the issue is, yeah, we really don't know who's going to get it. Uh, so just keep an eye on DFO the next few days. Uh, we should get more of an update on Freddie if he's going to be ready to return Thursday. Hopefully he is. Um, that's the goal because then that would free up of one of Kachekov or Ranta uh, to get that game at home against the Sharks on Friday, Kachekov 25% owned, Ranta 31% owned. Uh, and obviously we highlighted neither of them have performed well to open the season, but whoever starts that game for Carolina will be a near lock to win it. Uh, so yeah, if you're chasing points or if you're looking to get uh, an extra win uh, into your lineup heading into the weekend, uh, if one of Ranta or Kachekov gets that Friday game, they're going to be a great option. Uh, and then again, no back-to-backs on Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, just uh, make sure that you act early and you get that Friday start for the Hurricanes in your lineup if it does go to one of Ranta Kachekov because uh really looks like that's going to be the um, really the only widely available backup that's going to be getting into a game where he's going to be a, a heavy favorite to win. So uh, just keep an eye on, like I said, DFO tomorrow. 
we will have it updated. And uh, hopefully, like I said, when they announce the Thursday starter, it gives us a little bit of insight to who's going to be going on Friday. Yeah, like if you just look at some of the Sunday games and, and try to even figure out like who could possibly go, even though there is no back to backs, um, like there's not a whole lot out there, right? Like Mark Andre Fleury, maybe, right? Um, but they have a back to back tomorrow and Friday, so it seems unlikely that he'd go Sunday. Like if you're just trying to seven percent owned already. Yeah, if you're trying to squeeze somebody in on Sunday, there's really just not even a whole lot to to look at. The only name I would throw out there is maybe an uh, Ivan Provetsov uh, of the. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, he's probably got to start eventually. They can't give uh, Georgiev 100 starts this year. So uh, he's probably got to get in the crease eventually. Um, they got the Penguins on Thursday. So maybe that's an opportunity on, on Sunday against the Sabres. It is a one o'clock game, too. So yeah, it would give Georgiev a nice, uh, like long weekend off, maybe just get re reset because, yeah, he's played a ton. They don't play again yeah. until next Wednesday. So it would give him almost a week off. Maybe that's too much. Maybe that's enough time for, for him, them to say, hey, he can just keep rolling and stay healthy and he's not going to get a start. But like, you got to imagine he's going to get a night off uh, at some point. And he'd be like one of the only ones that would be widely available on Sunday if you you know were in a pinch. But yeah, not a whole lot of back to backs. There's actually just not a lot of hockey games this week uh, yeah. outside of yesterday. So um, that's gonna do it for season nine, episode eleven of the DFO Fantasy Podcast presented to you by Betway. And uh, D, I, I I nailed it. I didn't even like. I here's the streamers. I let you do the streamers. I didn't end the show prematurely. We nailed it. Only like took said, you nine, nine years, later, buddy. Yeah, proud of you. That's the second time you guys have dropped that on me today. Anyways, thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys back here next week. This was the real Frozen Frenzy, so you're welcome. Peace! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 